Welcome everyone to another edition of the Selling Greenville podcast. I'm your host, Stan McCune, realtor here in Greenville, South Carolina. And you can find all of my wonderful contact information in the show notes. Feel free to give me a call, a text, shoot me an email. And while you're at it, please go ahead and rate, review, subscribe, download, do whatever you can to this podcast. That helps us to get it out to as many people as possible. And that will encourage me to keep going with it. I enjoy doing this, but I want to make sure that we get it out to people. We've had several hundred listens so far, so I'm excited about that. Let's keep it going. Let's keep that going, and let's get as many more new listeners as possible. You can help us out by just clicking a quick button to subscribe, to give us a quick five-star rating, whatever it is that you have time to do. Usually it only takes a second, so please go ahead and do that. I would really appreciate it. Uh, today, as we're recording this, it is April Fool's Day, April the 1st. We are still here in quarantine and trying to stay sane. Uh, my real estate business is still going along. I'm still showing houses now with with uh, some precautions, obviously, some social distancing precautions, but we're still showing houses. We're still listing houses. Um, the real estate market uh, has proven to be considered an essential one here in South Carolina, so that's great. There are some parts of the U.S. where real estate has basically shut down. That has not happened here in Greenville, and we are very happy about that. If you need a realtor, if you have questions about the real estate market, I am more than happy to assist you. Now, today we're going to be talking about debt, not death, um, but debt, good debt and bad debt. And let me just start with a quick disclaimer here. I need to do this. I am not a financial advisor. So this is a real estate podcast, and I am a realtor. Um, I do not know your financial situation, and I am not giving you any financial advice. That's not what I do. Um, If you would like to talk to a financial advisor, I know a few people. I'd be happy to to recommend you to reach out to one of them. But uh, this is a real estate podcast, so just keep that in mind as we're talking about finances and debt. Um, I need to uh, discuss your real estate situation with you. And if you have someone that you want to discuss your financial situation with, there are people that are professionals at that. Without further ado, let's get right into the meat of this podcast, good debt and bad debt. Now, you might be one of the people, and I respect the people that are like this, you might be the type of person that doesn't really believe in good debt. Um, that could be for a variety of reasons. You might have religious reasons for that. You may have read a book that uh, encouraged you not to get into debt. You may have had a parent or a relative that uh, had their lives messed up by bad debt. And um, I just want you to, I want to ask you to keep an open mind to understand that there are a lot of other perspectives out there. In fact, some of those authors that have written books on uh, how debt is really bad. If you look at what uh, they have done over the course of their lives, they typically don't practice what they preach, which is kind of ironic. Um, they typically uh, are the types of, of people that do take on debt, but they understand that there is good debt and there is bad debt. And they understand that a lot of people um, simply refuse to 
um, to parse between those two things in their lives. And so it's a lot simpler to tell someone don't get into debt than to try to have this type of nuanced discussion, which is like, okay, there is actually good debt, but you have to do some work to identify it. So um, what is good debt and what is bad debt? I'm sure you have an opinion to an extent. Um, and I'm, and I'm sure you know a few things. Like, for instance, obviously, it's better if any debt that you get into, if any loans that you get, if they are lower interest. Lower interest loans are better than higher interest loans. That just goes without saying. It's better if the loan um, or whatever debt you have doesn't really hurt your credit. And there are forms of debt that hurt your credit more than others. For instance, $100,000 of credit card debt, that's going to hurt you a whole lot more in terms of your credit score than a $100,000 mortgage will. And the simplest reason for that is the $100,000 mortgage is has collateral, what we call. It's, it's backed by something. It's backed. It's guaranteed by a house. And odds are your house is going to be an appreciating asset. Whereas credit card debt isn't backed by anything. It's guaranteed by you alone. And it's probably not backed by anything. You probably spend it on a, on a hodgepodge of things that aren't worth a whole lot now. And we're going to get into that in a minute. Um, but you obviously, most people understand the difference that, that mortgage debt looks better to the credit agencies than uh, a bunch of credit card debt. And, and also, this kind of segues into a, another very basic thing. It's usually better to have debt on tangible items than on intangible items like vacations or entertainment. Not that there's no value to vacations or entertainment, but those things... Uh, those things are gone. They don't help you in terms of building your wealth and in terms of um, they, they might improve your quality of life to some extent, but it's it's not very measurable. And so it's better to go into debt over something that is tangible versus something that is intangible. We, we already know this, like almost everyone listening to this podcast, if not everyone already knows that. So let's just get that out of the way and get into the meat of this. What are some of the, uh, as we go beneath the surface, what are some of the more nuanced things that differentiate good debt from bad debt? All right, here is what I, what my opinion is. Again, I'm not a financial planner or advisor, but here's my opinion on the differentiation between good debt and bad debt. Good debt is on an asset, as we've already discussed, that you need or someone else needs and that helps to pay for itself in some ways. It is an asset that you need or that someone else needs and it helps to pay for itself, either directly or indirectly. Um, sometimes it's simplest to think about it from the standpoint of, of, well, what's something that doesn't do that before we, we explain something that does do that? So what would be like a bad example of this? Bad debt. Debt that isn't on an asset that you need or someone else needs and that doesn't help to pay for itself. Well, probably one of the more common examples would be hobbies. Most hobbies do not pay for themselves. Most of them, you, you are having to pay out of your own pocket. The thing itself doesn't have intrinsic value. It has more value to you 
than it does to another person. The value, a lot of that value is sentimental. And so it doesn't help to pay for itself in any way. You accumulate the whatever item it may be. Like one of my hobbies is I like board games. So I accumulate board games. Those games don't have a whole lot of value. Now, there might be some ways to um, to get games that do have value, or there might be a way to collect games in a way that is valuable. There, there are ways that hobbies can have some value, but more often than not, they don't. And so it's bad. It's not bad to buy those things, but it's bad to go into debt over those things because that debt has to be paid by someone and it's going to be paid by you and you're going to be paying every month for something that doesn't uh, doesn't have a whole lot of value outside of, of some value that it has for you specifically. And so that's a, that's a riskier thing to be paying for. Um, another one to, to consider is school debt. Now, uh, school debt, uh, again, I have to be careful with what I say here, but my personal opinion is that some school debt is better than others. I, I think that I would be okay with someone going into school debt if that debt, A, isn't a ton of debt. You know, that's a major consideration. Like $20,000 of school debt is a lot different than $120,000 of school debt. Um, so that's a consideration. But also a major consideration is, is there a direct path to a career or to money in some way as a result of this school debt that I'm going into. Again, it needs to help to pay for itself. So, you know, like, again, a, a negative example, um, I, I would think long and hard before getting a degree in psychology. And I love psychology. I was a minor in psychology. So I'm, I'm not trying to trash people that are studying psychology. But there's not a clear career path into psychology. It's very competitive to become a psychologist. Um, to, to make money in that career. And again, I know a little bit about this because I was a minor in it. A lot of people that study psychology end up just becoming psychology teachers um, or, you know, they might just become teachers in high school or they teach an occasional psychology class or something like that. Um, but that's going into school debt over a psychology major that unless you have some type of, of, way to kind of guarantee that there's going to be a career or a money, a way to make money coming out of that, that's that's a, a risky thing to go into debt over. Now, there are a lot of careers out there where there are shortages. You can, you can do all kinds of um, statistical research into this and see, oh, well, there's a, a shortage. Um, for instance, there are, in a lot of places in the U.S., plumber shortages. Um, I would be pretty okay with going into school debt. And, and also it tends to be cheaper because you go to a trade school. Um, it, it doesn't cost a whole lot to learn how to become a plumber. Um, that's, that is, again, the, a consideration that you're probably more likely to be able to have a career right away um, coming straight out of plumbing school or whatever, you know, trade school where you, you learn how to, to do the job of plumbing. There, there are going to be more options for you available. But this is a real estate podcast, right? So at the end of the day, real estate, property, 
houses, these are things that people do need. And so it checks off that box. And they are things houses, by and large, do end up paying for themselves. And obviously, investment properties, you want to make sure your investment property pays for itself. If you're buying a, a duplex that's like $400,000 and all you can rent it out for is like, you know, $2,500 total, um, that's the, those numbers don't work very well. Don't, don't buy that duplex. Please, please don't buy it. I, I bought a quadruplex a few years ago, $158,000, and it typically rents over $4,000 a month. You do not want to spend $400,000 on a duplex that is only bringing you in $2,500 a month. Those numbers are, are not good. So not even all of real estate would, in my opinion, fit into the, the good debt category. Um, you need to make sure that it does in some way pay for itself. Part of this is buying within your means. And your primary residence pays for itself in an indirect way because you have to have a place to live, right? And you're going to have to be paying someone to live somewhere. Odds are. Odds are that you'll have to pay someone to live somewhere. Well, what's great about real estate is that if you keep up with it, if you keep it in good condition, it appreciates in value. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but the simplest reason is that uh, the population of the world keeps going up. So there's more people being born, more people becoming adults every single day, and those people need places to live. And so simple economics, supply and demand, mean that homes go up in value. And there are other factors that I could get into, but but that's the simplest version of, of why real estate appreciates in value. It's supply and demand. There is increasing demand, but we only have, we, we have a limited amount of supply of real estate in this world. If you own an acre of land, I've got really good news for you, and that's that we know how many acres of land are in the world. Now, you know, I'm not accounting for climate change or anything like that. So um, some people might say, well, you know, receding sea levels, we may have more land. Listen, I'm not getting into all that. Stop that. Um, the bottom line is that the asset itself, it needs to be able to pay for itself in one way that it can is that um, it can go up in value. And so the value is uh, is increasing, but your uh, what you owe on the property is decreasing as you pay it down. And so if you really make wise decisions, you will actually end up in a situation where the appreciation of the property will actually exceed the mortgage payments there, or, or at least the interest that you end up paying on the property. So let's say that you buy a property for uh, for $200,000, and I'm just spitballing math out there. Let's say that you end up paying you know, $50,000 in interest over the course of, of however many years that you, that you owe money, on, that you have a mortgage on the home. You only have to sell that home for $250,000 to get that interest back. And odds are in a few years at, at current levels of appreciation, you'll be able to do that very thing. You'll be able to sell it for at least 250000 And so uh, that is an example of good debt. You're going into debt 
for an investment property that is that the rent is paying for itself or the investment property is paying for itself in some way your primary residence it's appreciating in value now what's not good is if you end up not taking care of of that property and this is kind of segues into my next point you always want the the asset in in a good debt situation the asset that the debt is on you always want it to be worth more than what you owe on the asset, right? And so in real estate, because of the principle of appreciation, that typically happens, but there is an example in which it doesn't. And that is if the property falls into disrepair. And there are some other examples as well. If, if, you, um, if you end up you know, overpaying for something. So some people will get in trouble with this for land. They will pay too much for land that doesn't have a whole lot of value. Again, the reason why it doesn't have a whole lot of value goes back to what our last point, that not a whole lot of people need it for one reason or another. There's some land that is undevelopable. There's some land that people just don't need. There's not a whole lot that can be done with it. And so that can be something that is easier to end up in a situation where you owe money on this land and the land isn't worth what you owe on it. And that's really bad. What happens if you if you need if you need money real quick, you go to sell that land, you find out if I sell this, I'm gonna owe the bank several thousand dollars after I sell, and I'm not gonna have anything left over. Like that's a worst case scenario. And uh, so you don't want to have that type of debt. That is bad debt. And particularly, this is where people get into trouble with credit cards, right? Because they end up racking up credit card debt on a bunch of things that immediately lose value. You buy a bunch of clothes that you wear for a little bit, or even that you don't wear. They immediately lose value. Go try to consign those clothes. Go try to sell them on eBay. You're not going to get anything close to what you paid for those clothes. You're just not. Um... And, you, you know, you get these people on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace that think that they can sell their half-worn Nike sneakers for, you know, for $60. And it's like, no, that's that's not how this works. And so um, you don't want to have a bunch of debt on a bunch of things like that. And on real estate, the same principle applies. Make sure that the asset that you're purchasing, that it appreciates in value. And there are ways that you can analyze real estate to ensure that it's that it's in an area that is going to continue to appreciate well. It All real estate that is kept up with should appreciate, but it, if you buy a property that's in a rough area and the, and the property is not in good condition and you don't do anything to it, you might end up with real estate that depreciates in value. That is not out of the question. Sometimes economic things can happen that cause depreciation. Now you can't um, you can't control that. And, and again, I'm not saying depreciation from a tax and accounting standpoint. I'm saying it actually depreciates in value. You bought it for 200,000 and after a few years it's worth 180,000. Um, that can happen. You can't control for that um, and you know, obviously, uh, there's a certain amount of risk there, but you look at the economy overall. Within time, real estate always appreciates 
and value. That is a general constant for the average property. You just need to make sure that you make a good decision when you buy that property. You just need to make sure that you keep up with it, that you don't let it go into disrepair. And that segues into yet another point here on good debt versus bad debt. You want to make sure in, in a good debt situation, you're not biting off more than you can chew. You are in a situation where you can go several months of no income and still be able to afford what you're, you're paying for, what the item that you have debt, you can still afford to make those payments. You won't go into foreclosure right away. You won't lose the item right away. You, that is uh, better than the alternative. And that's a really important thing as well. By the way, I want to mention real quick, I'm not suggesting in all of this that you only want to have debt on appreciating assets. I, I should have mentioned this earlier when we talked about something that helps pay for itself. A car is a depreciating asset, but it helps to pay for itself. There's a difference between buying a car that helps you work every day and buying a third car that's going to sit in the garage and that's more of a hobby type of vehicle, you know, that that 1965 Corvette that you just love to drive on the weekends, but you can't really afford it. Um, and if the economy crashed and you had to, to go for several months without any income, you wouldn't be able to afford that. That is not good debt. Like that's a luxury item uh, in, in every sense of the word. That is that is bad debt. And so keep that in mind. And there are real estate options that are that can be bad debt in the same way. You want to make sure that you're not biting off more than you can chew. Don't um there to be honest, there are banks that, that will sometimes lend you more money than they should. And the risky lending um, programs that were out there in, in 2006, 2007, it, it's gotten a little bit better. But you still um, can find yourself making taking risks that you shouldn't take. Don't do that. Make sure that you have adequate cash reserves, that you're putting yourself in an adequate financial situation, that you're buying the the investment property that is not going to just completely deplete you of all your cash reserves. You need to keep that into consideration. That's a, a very important consideration in all of this. And uh, and even though that isn't necessarily um, something that we can look at the debt itself to identify if it's good or bad, that depends on your personal situation. And again, sometimes it's a good idea to, to discuss this with a financial advisor as well. Uh, last but not least, and, and this is something a lot of people don't consider, but we alluded to it earlier. Some debt actually makes you more lendable in some ways. And, and that's good debt. And some debt, which I would say is bad debt, makes you a more risky borrower in the eyes of the bank. So the example we gave earlier, $100,000 in credit card debt versus a $100,000 mortgage. Um, banks do not want to see, for the average person, $100,000 in credit card debt. But if they see a $100,000 mortgage that you've been paying frequently, and that's on a house that is appreciating in value, um, and you've kept up with that house and, and all of that, 
that looks really good on your personal financial statement. And so that will open up new avenues. More banks will be willing to lend to you and, and you'll find yourself having the ability to, to buy some, uh, some investment properties potentially if you want to. And I highly recommend that. I, I am of the opinion every single person should have rental properties in their portfolio. Um, I'm, I'm not going to speak to other investments because that's not my specialty, but rental properties, I think, because you, everyone will always need a house, right? We can't guarantee that anyone will ever need, you know, Amazon. Right now, Amazon, it, from what I can see, looks like pretty much everyone needs it. And, and if you bought stock in Amazon 15 years ago, you're probably really, really happy. But we don't know if Amazon's still going to be here in five years. Um, you know, there are all kinds of companies, tech companies that go under every year. Someone's always going to need a house. And as we already said, the population keeps going up. Um, that's going to continue. We, there is no reason to believe that we aren't going to continue the, the human population exponential growth trend. If we don't, then that's really bad. Like, you know, I believe I saw a chart that the last time the human population actually dipped was during the bubonic plague. And and so we obviously are hoping that that's not happening right now. We don't want that to happen. And I don't see any indication that that, that will happen from, uh, you know, from what I see. And so it seems like... Um, Real estate will continue to appreciate in value. Bring that all back. Getting a mortgage helps you to become more lendable. Then as you acquire rental properties or investment properties, you get mortgages on those. Those actually, banks look at those, and obviously they're, they're going to consider your debt to income as well. So you could run into a situation where you um, own too much property and have too much debt relative to your income, but usually there's a bank out there that's like, you know what, we'll give you money. You've, you've shown that you're dependable and we'll give you money. And obviously, let's go back to what we said before, make sure that you have the cash reserves and the ability to, uh, to float whatever additional debt you take on. Um, but in the end, it will help you long-term if the debt that you take on is debt that makes you more appealing to banks rather than less appealing. It's helpful. It's helpful if you can get money from a bank, particularly if you're using that money in uh, long-term ways rather than just using it to, you know, buy that Tommy Hilfiger shirt that you've been waiting for. Again, that's bad debt. Don't do that. We want to stay with good debt. Uh, assets that you need, that someone else needs, that helps to pay for itself. Assets that are worth more than what's owed on on it or on them. Um, assets that you can afford, things that you can afford if several months go by without you making any income and, and assets that help you to, to be more attractive to a bank, that helps you to be more lendable. So these are the things that, in my opinion, differentiate good debt from bad debt. I do think, I do see a difference because at the end of the day, if, if you can try to, to live your life with, with no debt, but you're paying someone. You, you are paying to have no debt. And is there virtue in saying, well, I have no debt, 
but I'm having to lease my house and it's it's not the house that I want and my landlord, you know, won't do all the repairs that I want. I, in my opinion, um, now, you know, granted I'm an American and this is the American dream. I like owning a house. I like being able to do to it whatever I want. I like uh, the buck to stop with me. This is my decision. This is my castle. And uh, I can't be kicked out whenever the landlord decides that he wants to kick me out or he ends up selling the property. That There is some security in that. And I feel like the security there, um, that that is helpful and that that outweighs the, the, the downsides of the debt. The house that I live in, I've made sure that uh, when we acquired it, that it it contributed towards our overall goals, our overall financial goals that we had. That ensured that the debt that we were taking on with the house that we when we acquired it, that uh, it helped us to achieve our financial goals. And so it wasn't a bad debt situation. Now, if I had decided, you know what? I want to buy a really niche house, a house that has a 50s style diner kitchen. Um, Now we're starting to get into a bad debt situation, right? Because that might be an item that you're paying a premium on and nobody else wants that. Or, you know, there there are a handful of people that probably want that. But um, when you're limiting the pool of people that need something, and and again, I'm, I'm kind of backtracking a little bit probably should have said this uh, with my earlier points, but you want to make sure you want to have the widest appeal possible. The best debt has the widest appeal possible, the widest market that needs it. It's better to have a house that you know that if it went on the market, a thousand people would want it versus a house that if it went on the market, only maybe two people would want it. And so those are the things that you're considering when you're looking at real estate. There is a good debt scenario versus a bad debt scenario. Um, and there's a lot more to consider. I, I don't want to this podcast to drag out any longer, but I'd love to talk to you about it. So again, my contact information is in the show notes. Feel free to reach out to me. We can talk about this. If you have a specific property you want to run by me, I am always happy to give my opinion, my professional real estate opinion. Um, Obviously, it has to be here in in Greenville because I don't give opinions on properties in New York and Maine and Texas. I have no idea what those markets are like, but I sure do know what this market is like. And if you need a realtor, you know someone that needs a realtor, please reach out to me. And uh, on this April Fool's Day, please don't pull any pranks. Stay sane during the quarantine and we'll talk next time.